your head out of the clouds Get your feet back on the ground Get stuck into pop culture We'd stick around Hello there and welcome to Stick Around The podcast that takes you to infinity and beyond Sponsored by Pizza Planet Nice little uh, double-barrelled Toy Story reference for you there. Um, In relation to the new Toy Story 4 teaser. Have you you seen it, Clive? Um, I have seen it, yes. I just watched it this morning. I heard lots about it uh, when it came out and then didn't get around to watching it. Yeah, the old uh, spinning around in a circle. Yeah. Random character says, I don't belong here, and then it all topples. So, it doesn't tell us all that much, but, um, I mean, the fact fact there's a fourth coming is very exciting. (laughs) Yeah, I think they're listening to Joni Mitchell. Um, I think the new character is either called Forky or Sporky. I'm not really sure. Okay. Um, he appears to be just, you know, he's not a real toy. He's um, made out of pipe cleaners and a disposable fork, um, which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it'll certainly be interesting to see where that goes. I think it's coming out June next year, right? Got that right I believe right? so, yeah, I believe so. Anyway, look, you're here for uh, Stick Around um, episode who gives a shit. Um, I'm Alex Wayne, um, and this is Clive Fisher. Hi, everyone. Um, as usual, or not as usual, but what will become usual, this is now a weekly films podcast with additional uh, content week and week. Um, how are you feeling about this new format, Clive? Um, I'm liking it. Obviously, this is just our second one in this weekly format, but um, yeah, enjoying it. It's been good to... Yeah, it's... I do. I've, I do watch plenty of stuff, so it's not even difficult, really. I've not yeah, really it's... had to try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. we just got, always got lots of movies to talk about, and it just gives us a chance to uh, discuss this a bit more frequently. I believe, though, Clive, there's a particular film that you're excited about, which has been controversial. Ooh, right. Okay. Well, um, we're gonna. So we're gonna do this a little bit more. We're gonna have more of a newsy segment at the start. So um, yes, you're quite right. Uh, there's Detective Pikachu, which I can't say I was excited about to begin with. <laughs> um, I thought the whole thing sounds weird. Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu sounds weird. Um, that's about all we heard about it. It was based on the game Detective Pikachu, which I've not played, but heard some good things about. Um, but then I watched the trailer and I was more in the, I like this camp. I know it's kind of split people down the middle. Some people <laughs> yeah. are like, why are they all furry? Uh, oh, of course they'd be furry. Yeah, I mean, why? I don't know. I think it would look weird if they were sort of CG flat. I don't know. I think it would look weirder in the world. So Agreed. <laughs> I, I, I'm cool with the furriness. The, some people are like, why is Pikachu talking? Why does he sound like Deadpool? Uh, <laughs> well, that's because he's Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah, basically. I think it was seems to be done well. I thought it was pretty funny that uh, everyone else just heard him as going Pika Pika, and uh, this this one person heard him as Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> yeah. Um, so looks like it doesn't take itself too seriously, and could be could actually be quite good. Whereas initially I was thinking this is just going to be terrible. So, yeah, I'm quite positive on it. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a bit like you, it looks better than the concept sounds on paper. Yeah. Because it sounds absolutely. dreadful. But um, <laughs> And I'm not saying it's going to be good. But <laughs> when I was watching the trailer, though, I, I kept waiting for Pikachu to say something really inappropriate or swear because it's Ryan Reynolds. And then, obviously <laughs> not. It's Pikachu. Nintendo are not going to allow that. But, um, 
Yeah, interesting. One of the more bizarre concepts I've ever heard of. Yeah, definitely. It's weird that they've gone for this rather than a like just straight-up Pokemon film. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's anime versions of that, but they've not. For the first live-action one, they've gone for for Detective Pikachu. So we'll see. I mean, it's obviously their most recognisable Pokemon. So yeah, everyone loves Pikachu. Although personally, um, I still prefer Bulbasaur. He's uglier. Uh, he's a short little <laughs> bulb. With vine arms, but um, always my favourite. I didn't ever Bulbasaur want to evolve him. Pretty brilliant. I, I never wanted to evolve him because Venusaur looks rubbish. Uh, <laughs> well, they all just get they get less cute, don't they? Usually, yeah. Um, so sometimes you just want to keep them cute. But yeah, Bulbasaur is classic. Um, as well as Detective Pikachu, obviously we had that Toy Story four trailer that we've uh, we've mentioned that we're both excited about. That was uh, I think that dropped just after we did the last episode. So. I think, oh, I mean, all three Toy Story films have been good so far. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I suppose in a way there's no reason to doubt that they'll make another really good film. However, part of me mm-hmm. is like, you know, just leave it. You've got a perfect trilogy there. Like, I loved all three of the original films. Um, so part of me uh, thinks, you know, stop while you're ahead. But, you know, why, why doubt them? You know, they've made three really good films already, so why can't this one be great? So, you know, I'll, I'll remain optimistic. Yeah, awesome. Have you heard um, when it's kind of set? I've, somebody's been mentioning it's set like between two and three, but I don't know how true that is. Oh, uh, no. Where they, where they got their sources from. <laughs> That's. I, I, no, no it, I'm fairly certain it's set after Toy Story 3 because they're with Bonnie. Okay. You know, the kid who um, get, get, inherits them from Andy at the end of the third Oh, film. of course. Yeah, Spoilers yeah. if you've not seen Toy Story 3, but, you know, where have you been? <laughs> Okay, cool. Well, it must have been uh, someone, must have been talking rubbish there. But, or talking maybe that was shite. someone like... Talking shite. <laughs> talking shite. Absolute shite, which we don't do on here. So no. uh, we give you the, the, the real news. <laughs> Other news, um, Netflix is apparently testing cheaper mobile-only accounts, which um, I, just want, I just put this in there because that does not appeal to me whatsoever because no. I don't watch any of my films mobile. So <laughs> No, I don't, I don't watch films on a mo- occasionally because I've got quite a long commute to work where I don't have to change my bus. It's just a long one for an hour and a half. So I do mm-hmm. occasionally watch an episode of a TV show on my phone, but I try to pick uh, shows that aren't particularly, vi- particularly visual, but I would never watch, sure, a, I would yeah. never watch a particular a film on, a, on the go. No way. No, I suppose the only time it happens is on the is on the aeroplane, but <laughs> yeah. But even but then, like I know the small screen. It's not screens, the same experience. But yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's just different. Faux show, and uh, finally, but certainly not least, obviously, um, I think the day after we did our last podcast, um, we had the sad news of Stan Lee passing. So <laughs> you've probably got more to say on this than uh, than me, Al, because I'm not that big into comics. I like some Marvel films. Uh, I know a little bit about Stanley, but I can't say I know all that much. But mm. obviously, our uh, condolences with his family and friends. But um, what 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 would you say about about Stan the man? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know um, what I can say that hasn't already been said, you know, everywhere, it, except for the fact, you know, he was obviously a man who achieved a great amount. You can think of any Marvel superhero, and there's like he created ninety percent of them. Um, or at least had a you know had a hand in creating them. You know he's joint creator, and you know he's he spawned this huge film industry off the back of it. Which you know I've seen all the films and I'm a fan of most of them. To be fair, I said pro- probably the um, probably the thing he's known for aside from comics is the fact that he was um, you know a genuine social crusader. As in back in the sixties, he was very much a, you know anti-fascist, anti-bigotry, anti-racism. And like, I'm not going to read you 
the thing, but if you want to look into this, look up for something called Stan Soapbox from 1968. Uh, he did a column in which he was railing against racism and bigotry. Um, you know, at a time when it wasn't that easy, I mean, don't get me wrong, back in the 60s it wasn't okay to be racist, but, you know, it was still happening, you know, and pe- pe- people were still racist, I mean, people are still racist now, but um, yeah, you know, a, a great deal more back then. So, you know, sad loss, but let's, I don't think you should, we shouldn't really be, you know, really down on it though, because, you know, he's a 95-year-old man, he had a good life, and from what I understand, he went very quickly. Um, let's just celebrate what he's done, really. He's obviously a legend of the format. Yes, Al, I like your attitude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm of the same. Um, even when people die, maybe a little bit younger than um, than Stanley has, I don't always see it as a. If they've led a good life and they've achieved loads of things, then what? Well, uh, let's let's celebrate what they've done. Which in Stanley's case is obviously a hell of a lot. What would you? Uh, before we move on to our reviews, let's do a bit of a dedication uh, a very small segment let's uh, what would you say your favorite marvel film is oh and very briefly why okay so <laughs> can... I'll, I'll make a pick but i will add the little asterisk that if i'd had more time to think about this i may have changed it but i'm gonna say uh what am i gonna say um you know what i'm actually gonna say the original avengers film and um, just because I mean, I would say that possibly the most recent one is far more ambitious, um, bigger in scope. But there's something about, you know, a a team coming together movie. And there was there was almost like a wide eyed kind of hope to the original one. And there's a particular shot in it where they're in the city and it just kind of spins around them all. And it was while, you know, that booming crescendo of um, the Avengers themes running. And you're thinking, yeah, "Yeah." this is cool. (laughs) Um, It was just a lot of fun. And I mean... I said, I've liked most of them. Thor Ragnarok would be another big contender. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. I think my favourite, but again, Asterix is required because I haven't thought about it much, would be the first Guardians of the Galaxy. I yes, absolutely love that, that would one. be a big it, contender so yeah. as well, yeah. I just loved how it didn't take itself very seriously and, uh, yeah, it was just funny and I loved all the characters in it. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think the only weakness to Guardians of the Galaxy was that the, the bad guy was pretty rubbish. Yeah, but um, for sure. It, the fact that it was so good you didn't really care that much. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, well, But there's definitely a lot of good stuff and, like you say, they're consistently entertaining. Right, let's move on to our reviews. Um, Al, the first one that you've got here is one that um, you told us last week you were going to go and watch and I've actually been to watch as well, so we can uh, have a bit of a discussion after. But I'm very interested to hear what you think about this film. Cool. Okay, so the film is, um, if you weren't listening last week, is Widows which is the latest film by um, British director Steve McQueen. Um, It has a huge cast, but it stars Viola Davis, uh, Michelle Rodriguez, Elizabeth Debicki, Cynthia Elviro, Colin Farrell, Brian Tyree Henry, Daniel Kaloya, Jackie Weaver, Carrie Coon, Robert Duvall, Liam Neeson, uh, probably more, but it's a huge ensemble cast. It's um, on surface level, it's a heist film for three women... Uh, who are widows, as from the title, uh, decide to take up a job that their now-dead husbands left behind in order to pay back a debt that their husbands owed to a crime lord. Uh, All the while, there is a political campaign going on in the background um, for control of the city of Chicago. Now, you can watch this film just as a pure heist movie, pure heist thriller, and really enjoy it because it's it's intricately done, um, it's tense... It's brutal when it needs to be. Um, 
you know, it's just a great thriller. Um, but that that's all the disguise, really. Um, this is this is a social issues film as much as anything else, disguised as a popcorn popcorn thriller. I can't go into it in, in any great detail, really. But I mean, I've seen this movie twice now, um, which tells you everything <laughs> about how I thought about it first time. But th- this film takes us on a journey throughout, you know, social deprivation from the haves and the have-nots. It talks about racism. It talks about sexism, and it's it's a th- thrilling film as well. I mean, it's this is pure entertainment while giving you a you know a sociological lesson. Um, and I'd expect nothing less than Steve McQueen, who is a fantastic filmmaker. I mean, I've seen all his films from Hunger, Shame, Twelve Years a Slave, and now Widows. I mean, this is actually based on a um, an ITV series from 1983 by Linda Laplante, uh, which apparently Steve McQueen was a big fan of when he was growing up. Uh, I don't think it really bears much resemblance to the original, from what I understand, but it's funny where these inspirations can come from. Mm. It was also co-scripted by um, Gillian Flynn, who is um, a superb writer. Um, I've only read one of her books, um, Dark Places, but I've seen Gone Girl and I've seen the TV series um, Sharp Objects, both of which she wrote. And she's... You can see her influence in this, particularly in the way the women talk to each other. There's a wit, there's a um, there's a, an authenticity to this, and she's a really good writer. Um, I was particularly impressed by the performance of Viola Davis, who is um, kind of really hard shelled, but you you can see a vulnerability to her underneath. And I thought um, I thought Daniel Kaluuya hams it up a little bit, but in a good way as a psychotic. Um, Enforcer for um, one of the gangs. Um, mm-hmm. I, I had a really, really, really good time with this, and um, I caught some of the social messages first time, and I caught some of them, some of the ones I'd missed second time, and um, I would heartily recommend this. I mean, if you don't want to be lectured to, if you don't want to learn much, you don't have to. You can just watch yeah. this as a um, as a brilliant heist film, and it is just a brilliant heist film. But you know, it's so much more than that. I mean, what we—I'll have some more things to say. But what were your thoughts, Clive? Um, yeah, I absolutely loved it. Just like you, I thought it was fantastic. I thought <clears throat> Viola Davis, in particular, was just an absolute powerhouse throughout the entire film. She was <laughs> absolutely amazing. Um, I, I just, yeah, I thought her performance was fantastic. One of the best I've seen this year, I think. Yeah, because like you say, she—it's easy enough to portray that like hard shell exterior that she definitely has, but she does have like a vulnerability underneath, which I think is harder to make come through. If it's not that obvious, it's not. There's no scene in particular where it's you know brought forward. Oh, she's being vulnerable now. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, it's just always there underneath somehow. Um, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. A really, really good performance. And yeah, I think you're right. I think you could just go into this and enjoy it as a popcorn thriller because it works brilliantly on the surface. But the mastery of it is that underneath there are all these messages going on. And like you, I do want to watch it a second time because I'm sure I did miss quite a few of them on the first time round because I suppose when you're more focused on the plot you probably miss a few of the those messages whereas on the second time when you kind of know what's going to happen <laughs> you can focus more on those aspects so that's, I'd definitely like to watch it a second time I thought it was fantastic and I'd also like to mention the um, I mean Steve McQueen is always really good I don't know who the cinematographer is but um, I thought the cinematography was excellent um, there's one particular shot which I was mentioning to I went to see this with James Cable of our music podcast and I was mentioning to him after there's one shot in particular where I think she's dropping her dog off to be at like a 
dog grooming place or something and it's like goes through the like car window and you can see her like holding up her dog and it was just yeah if you blew that up and made a huge post out of it it'd be absolutely gorgeous and the film was ah, kind of full of those okay so that's interesting i thought you were going to mention the shot that everybody's been mentioning but that that just shows how gr- how great the direction in cinematography is so it's it's the cinematographer is sean bobbitt who he's worked okay. with for uh, quite a few films. Um, the shot I thought you were going to mention was the shot where um, Colin Farrell's character comes from uh, a very small political rally, and he's very angry, and he gets into the car with his uh, his assistant, and mm-hmm. it doesn't. The camera doesn't go into the car with him; it actually sits on the bonnet, uh, yeah. showing you, you know, while they're arguing, showing you that the social housing, and then you know, shortly down the road, it converts into you know, rich, rich housing, uh, rich neighbourhoods. And I think the shot is widely designed to show, you know, that really, you know, the absolute, you know, the social difference, the, you know, the financial difference between these these two ways of life. Um, and that, that, that's been mentioned a lot and it's an absolutely beautiful shot. But you're right, there's, there's you could talk about so much of the way this is directed. I mean, mm. even the opening, the opening um, kind of heist gone wrong featuring the husbands shot out the back of the van while they're being chased and shot at, is breathtaking. Yeah, this is a master at work. I mean, he, he's genuinely a fantastic director. Sorry, I've, I've stolen, I've, I've stepped all over your opinions there, Clive. But... <laughs> no, not at all, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there you go. That's one thing I didn't really, like that shot that you've mentioned that everyone's talking about. <laughs> yeah. Is one that I missed. Um, I mean, I, I remember the scene, but I was obviously staring at the car and who was driving it rather than the surroundings at the time because I didn't pick up on that. Um, and that's the kind of thing I'd pick up on the second viewing, I'm sure. Um, it seems like I've missed quite a quite a momentous thing there. But um, I suppose you can you can only look at one thing. Yeah, of course, yeah during Earth sinks, so there's going to be things you miss but yeah whereas the the shot that I saw was less symbolic I suppose and just I was just like wow this is really pretty yeah <laughs> but it didn't look out of place sometimes I think filmmakers can yeah sure every scene looks beautiful but it doesn't kind of makes everything a bit stylized yeah I think here he goes switches in between making things really immersive but then also having really pretty shots when I don't know when when it feels like it needs it as a almost like a safe space or like a bit of a slowing things down a bit or he's just really really good you can, like yeah, I say, I mean, he, you can tell it's a master at work <laughs> i mean aside from the fact he's a great director he's obviously a, a turner prize winning artist as well so it shouldn't really be any surprise that he's as good as he is and mm-hmm. he's working with a cinematographer as good as this as well so you know uh, amazing work i mean I, i've barely got a criticism of this um fact i actually nothing comes to mind you know it's it's not a perfect movie very you know you can always find something you didn't like in a film, but um, I struggle to with this. I mean, it, it wasn't really a natural one when, when you're thinking about Steve McQueen. What is next film going to be about? Oh, it's going to no, be a no. heist movie. Okay, yeah, right. We well, didn't see that one coming. After a film about IRA hunger strikes, a film about sex addiction, and a film about slavery. Um, didn't see this one coming, but I would argue that this film has as much to say politically, sociologically, as, as the other films. It's just more hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, I know some people probably disagree with me about that, but it, it, it's it's just been blended in. You know, it, it's like having it's like when your mum say you didn't like vegetables, so your mum chops up vegetables in a sauce for you, <laughs> mixes it in with the you know the bolognese. You know, it's there. You may not be able to see it, you may not be able to taste it, but you you are getting it. Yeah, for sure. It's more of a like the point of the film isn't to hammer home this message, but the message is. <laughs> It's a really entertaining super film that's also got this. And oh, and by the way, this stuff is happening. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's 
the fact that I mean it's also one thing another people it's amazing it hasn't been brought up enough really considering that the four you know the four people doing the heist are all women this is a quite an intensely feminist film as well With, without mm-hmm. without um Without a preachiness to it, I would say, um, you know, it, it, it's not like the film sits down and goes, "Look, these women doing these this you know traditionally Hollywood man thing," it, you know, it, it's just happening in front of you without without a fuss, which is arguably as feminist as it gets because it's just you know this is you know this is equality, this is you know for women who you know realistically, it's not like when you see in some films, oh, we've got this kick-ass heroine who's. Uh, looks like she weighs about 120 pounds, walloping the fuck out of uh, all these big, massive men, which is great, mm-hmm. and I've got no problem with that. Can be entertaining, but it, you know, often it feels almost a little patronising, as if yeah. as if it's trying to do a feminist message that is not it's not really all that palatable. But this film is entirely, you know, entirely plausible as well. I would say for the, you know, I could believe it could happen. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, definitely. I tell you who I liked in this as well. Actually, it's a, she not doesn't have the biggest part in it, but I really like Cynthia Elvira as well. Uh, she plays the the last the driver, the last of the the, the yeah, team. I, I thought that's who you were going to say. Yeah, 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 I thought she was amazing as well. Yeah, she was excellent. I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, but she was. No, yeah, I, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. But um, yeah, I, I, I barely. I don't really have a criticism to this, honestly. Maybe I'll think of one eventually. Maybe if I watch it a third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the 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 lady you just mentioned. What's her name again that you've just mentioned? Uh, Bell. Um, she had as well a, a run that I think competes with Tom Cruise for the coolest. Yes, uh, <laughs> cinematic she? run. Because <laughs> quite a few scenes of her just pegging it for a bus, and it was just like she just has a great looking run. <laughs> well, she's 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 obviously like a real athlete, isn't she? Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a, that's worth a mention. Awesome. Um, well, heavily recommended. Heavily. Yeah. I, I went into this thinking I would, you know, r- really like it, but I didn't think I'd like it as much as I do. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I absolutely mean, love it. And without spoiling it, the very last scene, nothing really much happens, but I don't know, it really made me happy. There was just the last line in it. Do you know mm, what I yeah. mean? Without spoiling it. Yeah, yeah, I know it. what you mean, yeah. Yeah, it was it was great. Yeah, love this film. Okay, well, let, let's move on. We've been uh, effusive with praise. Um, I don't actually know what your opinion on the next one is, Clive, so surprise me. What have you got for us? Um, right, well, I've got next um, Akiambra, um, or you might see it advertised as The Kiambra, which I think is what it's released as over here, um, which is an Italian hyper-realist drama film directed by Jonas Carpignano. That's probably a terrible pronunciation. Um, starring Pio Amato, Iolanda Amato, Kudos and and uh, Kudos Seon, who none of who I've heard of, but they're obviously uh, Italian actors. Um, the plot is so Akiambra is a small Romani community in uh, Calabria. The film shows its uh, Romani communities. For those who don't know, is kind of a, a sort of a travelling community from uh, I think originating from northern India. I think I'm correct in saying that. Um, they're kind of all over Europe. The film follows its central character, Pio, uh, growing up. He's already kind of grown up rather fast at 14, which is the age he's at in the film. He smokes, he drinks, uh, he steals stuff for his family. He basically follows his older brother, Cosimo, around doing jobs. Cosimo seems to be like the the main uh, person bringing in the money to the to the community through his 
uh, through nefarious means, shall we say. Um, when Cosimo is sent to jail, uh, Pio kind of takes up that role and attempts to become the kind of med- main breadwinner through a series of thefts and deals, even though he is, like I say, only 14. The film also features a community of Italians, um, not so much, but a, f- a few, uh, and also a community of African refugees, which Pio is sort of unique in that he seems to be able to flip between these different communities uh, fairly seamlessly. He's got friends in all of them, whereas I guess... Otherwise, they're more divided. Directorially, the film generally follows a a real hyper-realist style, although it does have some non-diegetic music uh, two or three times and some dreamy sequences, which are more stylized. The whole film is very kinetic. Um, The camera kind of darts around looking for things of interest all the time. It, to me, kind of is in a way showing the way that uh, our main P.O., I've put T.O. here, (laughs) P.O., Pio's way of looking at the world he's kind of he's young he sees everything there's loads of things it's very um sensory I guess there's often a sensory overload in scenes like of noise color and lights the acting is absolutely superb throughout it feels like I think the when you do a hyper-realist film this is the kind of feeling you want to bring across and it feels like a fly on the wall documentary but without it being a documentary like you're actually a fly on the wall on stuff happening and no one's going and interviewing anyone you're just watching it and it just everything feels completely natural and i imagine that a lot of the actors that are in this film are actually living in these communities i don't know i didn't do the research to uh, figure out whether that's true but i'd be surprised if it wasn't because it just seems so real the frantic nature of life in akiambra is captured absolutely beautifully as we discussed um, last episode we're both kind of fans of films that show us areas of the world or life that we know little about absolutely and this is definitely one of those and um, you just get completely immersed in this other way of uh, this other way of life i mean i worked in a, a school previously that had a, a large uh, percentage of um i get confused with all the different sort of names but I think it was a, a Romani or at least like a travelling Slovakian uh, population and th- there's some similarities there, um, for sure. The special kudos have to go to Pio Amato in the lead role, who's the focus of pretty much the entire film. Um, I don't, there's very few scenes without him in them. Um, he carries it with a real kind of maturity beyond his years, be- betrays a like, recklessness, this kind of need to impress, an ego of someone trying to become an adult before they're really kind of ready. And I thought he was completely captivating throughout the plot is obviously a kind of a snapshot in time like it is it's a coming of age story but over a short period of time which i liked i found the ending possibly a little unsatisfying but i feel that's possibly down to the fact that i think the film could have done with being maybe like 15 minutes or so shorter i think it uh, sagged a bit in the middle but overall i'd highly recommend this like if you're only going to watch one italian film or or indeed one foreign film this year make it uh, summer 1993 which is um absolutely fantastic and i talked about in a previous episode but if you've already seen that then this definitely deserves your attention i think it's fantastic and i think it a little bit like um it's probably a bit more uh, blunt in its political messaging in that but you essentially you're just seeing something that is happening like the, the message is this is a thing rather than <laughs> at no point does it really necessarily comment on it if you know what i mean it's just like the here's three or t- two communities that are definitely you know two of the underclass communities that are incredibly poor and uh, this is what's happening and this is what it's like to grow up as a 14 year old in this type of community and uh, is you know brings up messages of is it possible to escape this kind of thing or what um just the difficulties of because you, you kind of see the conflicts in his brain of some of the things he's like just going along with and other times he's like mm, i don't really like this but then how much choice does he actually have he's i suppose one of the messages of the film and i think it portrays that kind of thing really really well and yeah i just think it's a 
if you like foreign film, then you should definitely check it out because it's it's a good. It's worth uh, two hours for sure. It's really really good. Excellent. I, I didn't really. I'm not sure if I've even heard of this one to be honest with you. So this is a nice little surprise. Um, I feel like I might have seen the title somewhere, but I didn't know anything about it. And um, it sounds right up my street, actually. Um, like you said, I think we both enjoy films that um, give us an insight into you know something we knew nothing about. So yeah, I'll have to check this one out. Sounds very good. Yeah, I think you'd like it because I remember you being a was it there was a French hyperrealist fan film that you were a big fan of, wasn't it? A couple of years ago. Um, a Be- a Belgium? Do you mean? Do you mean um... Yeah, it might have been Belgian. Yeah. Oh, I it, forget we both the name liked of it. it. And I for- ah, what was it called <laughs> we- again? Two Days, One Night, I think. Yeah, that was it. We both really liked it. Yeah, yeah with Marianne Cotillard. Not that this is necessarily similar, but it's a similar style. Uh, the story and everything is obviously very different, and it's way more frantic. But um, it's a definitely a similar style, I think, of just... So this is something that's happening. Uh, you're a fly on the wall watching it, and mm. everything just feels completely... I'm always amazed at how real they make these things feel. I don't know how they do it, because I'm always like, well, I've not heard of any of these actors, but they're all nailing it. But I suppose if they're yeah. just being themselves. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. I guess that's what they uh, what they go for, try and pick people who are actually in these. I wouldn't be surprised if Pio himself was like actually in this community and it was all just real and they just went in and told them to do things in a certain way. And I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they go about it anyway, because it just, it just doesn't feel like a film whatsoever. It feels, like I say, completely like a documentary. Mm. So... Really, really good. Highly recommended. Um, what, have, what have you got for us, Al, next? Uh, okay. um, we've got two each again. <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to talk about um, the latest Netflix exclusive film, actually. Uh, Netflix, from what I understand, played a bomb for this. And uh, they've, got, they've got their money's worth, in my opinion. Uh, so it's <laughs> The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is the latest Coen Brothers film. Um, it originally started uh, as a concept for a TV show, so a Western anthology TV show. Uh, featuring you know one story each week, but um, I think they just came to the conclusion that they didn't have enough for it, and they they just preferred it as a film. Uh, anyway, so it's it's five short stories, all composed as one book, which is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs and other tales of the West. It, this you know if you thought Widows had a big cast, this one's even even bigger really. I'm going to mention some of them, but y- you could mention more. So you've got James Franco, you've got Brendan Gleeson. Zoe Kazan, Liam Neeson, Tim Blake Nelson, and everyone's favourite grouchy mumbler, Tom Waits. Um, <laughs> this is... Uh, it, it's hard, really, to categorise this other than as... Oh, sorry, I should have added, by the way, The Ballad of Buster Shrugs and Other Tales of the American Frontier, not the West. It features five stories which, which kind of... They don't have the exact same tone, so you can see why this was originally touted as a... Um, as a TV show, um, it, it's not. I'm, I'll give you a brief synopsis of, of every of every of every uh, story. So it opens with the the title story, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, which is about a um, well. He's described as a happy-go-lucky singing cowboy. He op- opens up with a shot of him playing his guitar and singing on his horse in his all white, sheeming all white uh, outfit. Uh, he also happens to be the quickest gun in the West. So it starts on a very, very light note, but very classic Cohen comedy note. The next next one's called Near Algodones. Oh, I might be pronouncing that wrong. This focuses on a cowboy played by James Franco, who um, seems to be getting everything he deserves, but also unlucky at the same time, which I won't say anything extra on that. The third one 
is called Meal Ticket, and that stars Liam Neeson, uh, which is about a travelling show and Liam Neeson's difficult decision about what he needs to do to make his show work. Again, I won't say that any more than that. That's a very much a darker one. Uh, Old Gold Old Gold Canyon is the one starring Tom Waits as a as an, a gold pr- prospector who keeps talking to the hill, or the pocket as he calls it, the pocket of gold he's desperately trying to find. Uh, the fourth one is called The Gal Who Got Rattled, which is about uh, star Zoe Kazan as a woman travelling to Oregon to start a new life for herself. And this one's more of a... Well, while it is comedic, this one's more of a uh, melancholy uh, little tale. And the final one is called The Mortal Remains, which is about a... Five people. This one's almost Tarantino-esque, actually. Five people in a stagecoach uh, on their way to a town. Uh, one particular woman is um, lecturing the others on their moral decisions. There's two bounty hunters and a uh, couple of other people as well. They're all absolutely different. They all have a different tone, uh, but they are all distinctly Coen Brothers films. So Coen, the classic Coen Brothers setup is uh, best laid plans go wrong, basically. Uh, dark comedy, and this in that respect, it's it's classic Cohen. Now, it it doesn't really compare to the other films because it's an anthology. Uh, but I abs- I adore this. This is um, I'm happy that I've got two films this week where I've barely got a criticism. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think that there are stories that are better than others. I would say the highlights are the opening one, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and the second to last one, the Gal Who Got Rattled. Um, but, but they're all enjoyable in different ways. Beautifully shot. There's nothing televisual about this, despite the fact that it started out as potentially a television show. And I th- it's just a blast, really. It's an absolute blast. I mean, u- unlike Widows, when we were talking about, you know, where you can just enjoy it and take message as well. There isn't really a huge message to this. It's it, there's. It's just damn good, damn good filmmaking. Um, w- were you planning to watch this, Clav? Um, yeah, you've definitely made me um, more excited. Yeah, I mean, I was already excited to watch it, but I didn't realise it was five separate stories, and I think that's something that's not done enough, I suppose. Um, yeah, I mean, like you get it obviously in TV series, but I don't think it's done. I'm imagine how long's the film? I'm imagining the the stories here are actually probably a varied length and like yeah, so it's, quite short. So it's actually quite long for a Coen Brothers film. So it clocks in at two hours fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say each story is about twenty to thirty minutes, give or take. See, that's quite short, isn't it? Like, you wouldn't really... A TV series would normally have an hour, so... Exactly, yeah. That intrigues me straight off. Um, I mean, theoretically, you could watch these all separately and pause in between. I wouldn't recommend it, because I I do feel they go together, and I do still feel it it, Mm -hmm. it is a film rather than a TV show, but you could if you wanted to. Cool. No, I'm definitely going to watch this um, ASAP, because it sounds excellent. Yeah. There's an absolutely gorgeous visual style to it as well, so it opens up on on a book, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and it's just somebody turning the pages and then it comes upon a an artist's rendition of one scene and a line from it. And then it just mm-hmm. kind of bleeds into that shot there. And it's 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 just it it's classic Cohen and it's um you know they don't make enough films. I wish they were more busy, but um I loved it, yeah. I'm just looking now at um, I see like a screenshot of uh, Tom Waits kind of Leading looks like a donkey, can't really see because it's right yeah, behind it. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and there's uh, just mountains behind it. It looks absolutely stunning. <laughs> it is, yeah. It, it, his story's quite... It, it's quite funny, but it's it, it's good as well. I, think, I mean, despite the fact it's got a fairly light tone for the most of it, just despite the fact that there are, you know, dark elements, um, 
there's scarcely a person who escapes unharmed from these stories, but (laughs) (laughs) um, that's the way of the West, I suppose. Um, I mean, Westerns are definitely very much en vogue at the moment. Obviously, you've got the biggest computer game, Red Dead Redemption 2. Mm -hmm. You seem to have Westerns coming out all the time, which which I love, because it is one of my favourite genres. Um, Long may it continue. Awesome. Um, Excellent. Three films we're uh, we're pretty happy with so far. Absolutely, yeah. uh, my final one is uh, one that I saw. I think probably a, I think I saw it just before we did the last podcast, but um, it didn't quite make the cut. Um, <laughs> is the Hate You Give, which um, I know has been getting a lot of talk. Um, it's a racial drama directed by George Tillman Jr. and based on the book of the same name by Angie Thomas, which I believe is a teen uh, teen fiction book. It stars Amanda Stenberg, uh, Regina Hall, Russell Hornsby, K.J. Apper and lots of other people. Uh, my review of this is just going to be quite short, but um, basically the plot is um, Star Carter, played by Stenberg, is a 16-year-old black girl who lives in a deprived neighbourhood, um, it's a fictional neighbourhood, of Garden Heights, but goes to a rich school of like predominantly white children in a different area, um, essentially because I think the parents are rich enough to, to move out of um, Garden Heights, but they don't want to because they feel that's... Uh, uh, it's you know it's their home um, it's where they grew up and they don't want to they you know they think part of the problem is that once people get rich enough they just move out and uh, rather than dealing with the issues in the area um, and so they send their children to a school in a different area but live in Garden Heights um, it's essentially about this kind of disconnect that she has like the way she has to act differently in the two communities and that because of it uh, because of that she kind of feels at home in neither um, things all come to a head when she witnesses a high this is very near the start of the film and in the trailer um, a high profile police shooting which brings the two separate worlds she lives in together in a way the film is undoubtedly a film of messages and um, this is probably the complete opposite of Steve McQueen in that uh, in that it's got loads of messages but in this one they're definitely hammered home um, it's probably got a few too many crammed into its runtime, I'd say um, making the film extremely on the nose throughout which, to be fair, I think is fine considering the target audience. I think it is that kind of melodramatic uh, teen film um, style to it, which, you know, hams things up a bit more and makes things a bit more... makes all the messages a bit more obvious. And But it's unlike a lot of those teen drama films, this has a hell of a lot more to say than than the general one. It's striking, um, doesn't really pull any punches at all, and has... And sort of a lot of the issues in America recently regarding race relations get shown or mentioned in some way or sort of tackled, which is interesting. I'm personally, I'm really glad that these types of like politically aware films are being made for a younger audience. I think it's really good. And I think this one, this is done in a kind of accessible uh, manner that, like I say, is perhaps for a, an older viewer like me a little bit on the nose at times. But um, I think that's more to do with who the film's targeted at than a criticism as such. I think Amanda Stenberg is absolutely superb in the central role. Uh, she just carries this energy in every scene that's kind of worth the en- worth the price of the entry ticket alone, I'd say, even though I didn't pay because I've got a card. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, she's, she's absolutely superb and she's not someone I've seen in anything else. So I'd recommend watching it just for her. But, yeah, it, go in, you know, expect some pretty on-the-nose social commentary. But it, it has a lot to say. It's well done that it's well acted you know the the story is good it's yeah it's it's a good film i'll give it you know a seven or so it's not going to make my top five but like i say i'm really happy that this kind of thing is being made uh, for a younger audience because i think often these are the kind of topics being covered in very sort of indie um artsy adult films (laughs) Mm. 
good to see that yeah this is being made for a for a younger audience and yeah it is really good i'd recommend watching it faux show cool uh yeah I'd, I'd heard a little bit about this one i know it got a very good review from um clarice lockray who work who writes for the independent and it was given a good review on um come up come up males entertainment it sounds interesting it, it, obviously we're, we're not the target audience per se but um, it did sound interesting, and the fact that you liked it for the most part is encouraging. Um, I don't have a great deal to say in it other than, than that, um, but it would be a film I would seek out if I if it was available. Yeah, definitely, I'd recommend it. It's yeah, like you say, we're not the target audience, but there's a lot we uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. There's just some things you have. Well, if you go into it, expect you know this is a teen drama. Uh, that's yeah. the style it's in, but it's. It's got so much more to say than usual teen drama and the story's much more interesting and stuff but it's still got that kind of wrapper on it if you know what I mean that, yeah. that's the style that it's done in mm-hmm. um, but if you go in knowing that then I think you're going to really like it so yeah I'd recommend it excellent um, we're just about coming to kind of Oscar season or you know where, where a lot of movies come out and I'm, I'm pretty excited actually I'm going today to see the new Fantastic Beasts film or the latest Harry Potter universe Ooh. film if you like See what I think about that. I like the first one actually. It, it surprised me. You know, I I am I'm not a Potter maniac. You know, um, although I did read all the books and famously I once walked away from a night out, um, <laughs> uh, and I had a choice between a kebab and the new Harry Potter book. <laughs> so I went, I, I went and queued and for the midnight launch with some kids in um, Wizard. Is <laughs> there's me absolutely steaming drunk. You know, probably about <laughs> nineteen, something like that, and Brilliant. some kids. And I got the book, and then so no money for a kebab, no money for a taxi. Walking home with this big Harry Potter tome under my arm. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, but yeah, so I am a fan of the series. Um, I didn't, I didn't think it sounded like a good idea to carry it on, um, but I enjoyed the first one. So we'll see what we think about this one. Um, any interest for you, Clive, or is it not your thing? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I need to. I haven't watched the first one, so I'm going to watch that one at some point, and then hopefully go and catch this before it starts being in the cinema. I am, I am interested. I, I was interested in the last one, and then for whatever reason, I ended up missing it, and I still haven't got around to seeing it. So, yeah, definitely interested. I'm very excited about, like you say, upcoming Oscar season to see if anything um, manages to make its way into my already pretty fantastic top five list. <laughs> mm. um, it's gonna, it's gonna be difficult. But I'm sure something will creep in there. But um, on that note, I saw a Leave No Trace last night. Oh, um, what do you think? You, you were massively impressed off last episode, and yet I pretty much agree with everything you said. I absolutely wow, loved good. it. I thought it was fantastic. The one thing I really liked is that the uh, main character with PTSD didn't. I think often when people are displayed as having a mental illness, they have like these episodes. Mm. of just being like oh, just, you know manic episodes and it's like oh well that person's mentally ill he's just had a manic episode that doesn't really happen in this film and I really like no. that it was more like this underlying thing that you can't really put your finger on in some ways you were like why is he making the decisions he does and in ways it looks very selfish and yeah, um, especially that he's looking after a daughter but then I think that's kind of the beauty of it because it's like well it's, it's not as simple as you think exactly <laughs> if, yeah. you, if you're in his head which we can't possibly be. Um, um, and that's kind of, I think, a lot of the message of the film. It's like you can't always just judge a book by its cover. You can't. He does, in a lot of ways, seem like a, a perfectly functioning person. Um, but obviously there's a lot of struggles underneath there that you can't see. Um, yeah, So, yeah, absolutely. I thought it was fantastic. I thought the daughter was amazing in it. I thought she was really brilliant. Like this kind of... Um, I think she portrays like someone who's been brought up without 
you know, like homeschooled mm-hmm. uh, really, really well. This kind of social awkwardness. Um, yeah. But she, she, she's quite well put together, though, really, isn't she? Despite the fact she is awkward, she's very capable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she's very capable. It's just uh, in those social situations. She's not even, uh, n- wouldn't even necessarily say awkward. She's quite, just quite shy, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, just because she's not used to having them, I suppose. Um, but that would obviously come out but yeah i thought they were both excellent they carried the film really well it's beautifully shot like there's loads of like just forest scenes which i thought really kind of set the scene really well and yeah it went it was different to what i was expecting actually because i was expecting it to more be just them in the woods and people trying to get them out of the woods constantly yeah (laughs) and and isn't really that i don't want to spoil it but yeah it's quite varied in the things that it does and but yeah i think it's fantastic and like you say really emotionally affecting so i think everyone should go out and see it Definitely suitable Sounds, for Clive's. Yeah, it was definitely a, a very Clive film, I agree. <laughs> in, in, in many ways. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. I'm really pleased you liked it because I, I was worried that I'd um, perhaps oversold it to you because I was so excited. I know it can go that way sometimes when somebody really, really hypes something up and you might enjoy it, but not as much as you yeah. would have done. So I was, I'm, glad that, I'm glad that you had a similar reaction to me. I usually get that more if, like, everyone is raving about it. Like, if one person, I usually still, yeah, can enjoy it. Sometimes, if, like, everyone is, won't shut up about one specific thing, yeah, um, then I'll be more inclined to be like, ugh. I, well, I'll just usually not get around to watching it. Or quite often I'll watch it starting off in a bit of a negative frame of mind, but then it'll win me around as well. Um, but, yeah, it's rare that, like, one person raving about something makes my um, expectations too high. But... Yeah, it, I went in with really high expectations. It absolutely met them. <laughs> it's brilliant. Everyone should go check it out because you can. Um, it's available for rental. That's how I got it. Yeah, and you won't regret whatever. Uh, how much is it to rent? I think it's like like four pound. Is it yeah. the standard HD rental price or whatever? You won't regret it. You won't regret it. No, absolutely not. Perfect. Um, have you got any any cinema plans before we do next week's? show um we are possibly going to see the uh, is it bohemian rhapsody today yes um the freddie mercury biopic which as i'm not a huge fan of queen um i'm not that excited about but i do feel like i'm more excited about it looking at it more as a, a film do you know okay, what i mean cool. i'm not excited about necessarily hearing the music because i'm not that into queen but <laughs> yeah <laughs> but I want, i'm interested to see his performance and all that stuff and i've heard kind of mixed things which mm-hmm. makes me intrigued well, I, I've seen it as well there, so if you, do, oh, okay. if you do, we can talk about it. Sounds good. Cool. Right. Um, I, think it's a, I think it's about time that we uh, give some advice on how you may contact us and plug our show, Clive. Absolutely. Um, it's time for plug time. Get in contact with the show, stickaroundpodcast at gmail.com or stickaroundpodcast.com slash contact for a form. Uh, we're doing these weekly now, the film pods. If you've got a film question, it'll be answered the week after. So if you send it via one of those two methods, that would be awesome. I'll try and start doing a bit of a call out on Twitter before we record to uh, get some questions in. Um, if, if you tweet questions at us as well, if you want. Talking of which, we are at StickAroundCast on Twitter. Um, you can anything we do, we post it on there. So when there's an episode gone up, when there's an article, post on the website. So it's the best way to keep kind of uh, on top of what we're doing. If you don't have Twitter, but you do have Facebook, you can do the same thing. Go slash stick around podcast on Facebook. And that's basically a regurgitated Twitter feed. So you can do the same, but on Facebook. If you could give us a like on there, that'd be fabulous. We're on Stick Around Podcast on Instagram. We have a website, stickaroundpodcast.com, which has our every single episode we've ever done. It's also got articles. And I'm going to try 
keep doing the film reviews that I've been doing. So they're up there. We've got our top li- top five, top ten lists even of 2017, and our top ten list of 2018 will be appearing in January next year. Um, you can go on justgiving.com/slash/fundraising/slash stick around to give some money in our name to shelter uh, to help the homeless crisis in the UK. And last but not least, give us an iTunes review. Every time we get a five-star review, it really, really helps us, bumps up the numbers a lot. So that would be massively appreciated if you could just go, you know, log into that iTunes account. Give us a review. Helps massively. Absolutely. And um, I think that's it. Obviously, we'll be back next week. Um, I think you're away, Al, aren't you? Uh, No, next week I'm fine. The week after I'm away. Okay, I'm getting confused. So next week we'll definitely be on. The week after we'll hopefully still be on. Yeah. And I'll get a, an Alex Wayne replacement. Yeah, maybe get a substitute <laughs> teacher. Um, as, get Michael yeah. Johnson in maybe. Ho- well, hopefully he might be on next week's show as well anyway, but if not, we'll try and make sure he's in for the one that I'm missing. Perfect, yeah. That sounds excellent. And uh, hopefully we'll be doing one of our other... Our other podcasts are obviously continuing. So. They will be, yeah. They, they, we, haven't, we haven't wrapped them up. Um, I think we're probably due for... Possibly a TV one, if not, possibly back to music, which I know there's been a lot of interesting music listened to. Faux show, yeah. Awesome. So we'll hopefully see you there, or you'll hear us there. Um, (laughs) Thanks very much, Al, Al, for for co-hosting. Thank you very much for co-hosting as well, Clive. (laughs) Spot on. And um, what would you like to say to our listeners before you go? Um, Thanks for listening. Um, You're all beautiful, beautiful people. Oh, I like it. Very, very positive. I'll, I'll just say, be kind to each other, like I normally do, and remember to stick around. Stick around. Thank you all for listening. Rest assured that you have found the best podcast in the universe it's stick around